This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the University of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases? Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall, and the best part? It's completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids' calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills like how to make a sandwich by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code THEAUTISMDAD to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, support, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, I sat down with Mark Jason uh, from Daily Autism, and we had a conversation about what his life is like uh, as a dad raising an autistic kid. And, you know, there was a lot of really interesting insight. And, uh, you know, I, I like the way that he frames things because I think it's helpful for us to view things, especially during difficult times, through a lens that helps us to see some of the positive things that can come from these challenges. And so we talk a little bit about that and we talk about what, you know, he and his wife's journey has been online, you know, using social media and their podcast and their platform to help support uh, families and raise awareness. So I thank you all so much for taking the time to tune in today. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I really appreciate it. This was pretty kind of like on short notice kind of thing, really. Like it happened pretty quick. Uh, it never happens that quick. So uh, I appreciate you you getting scheduled and and coming on here to, to talk about uh, your journey. So if you could take a minute, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you know, who you are and, and what your journey has been and uh, a little bit about yourself, that'd be awesome. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for putting this together too. I, I appreciate that. Um, so my name is Mark Jason. I'm the founder of dailyautism.com. As, as far as the journey, um, it's going to be a real short one, right? So in the world of, of autism, um, I guess I'm a baby in the space. Um, my son, Cal, he's our youngest. He's, he's five and we have five kids. Um, but he'll be three years diagnosed in August. Okay. And yeah, so what, what I kind of, you know, in the embryonic stage of this, you know, we, we go through all the emotions. So there's like, ah, this isn't happening. It's not happening, right? Oh, it's sort of happening. I think it's happening. It's happened. <laughs> and, and so at that point, you know, maybe we're, I don't know, several months into the official diagnosis and, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my life? And so a few, you know, several months later, we had the virus and I had just, um, my contract had just ended at a radio station. So my background's in radio. So I hosted radio shows all over the country for 22 years. 
And in that business, the media business specifically, there tends to be a lot of moving around. And that was getting harder and harder with five kids in general. Add on the autism diagnosis, my wife and I were like, this is impossible. Like, yeah. We have to make this home. And so I'm going, what am I going to do? I mean, I, I what am I going to do? I, I mean, I can't build a radio station and just, you know, <laughs> and, and just do that. So, um, you know, what I realized was there was kind of a real void and a place for people to go um, and kind of get content and more lifestyle driven content. Um, and, and when I say avoid, I don't mean none of this was happening. Look, you're one of the original guys I think I found on the internet. Um, you know, and I think I, I don't know for sure, but I think I probably Googled like other autism dads or <laughs> da dad, maybe have autism kid. Cause you have to like cut out all the other words, you know? Yep. And yep. so you were like right there, like one, two or three, you know, and, and this was several years ago and everything. And, but really, you know, there's a couple people out there doing great work and, mm -hmm. and, and doing it consistently. It was a shame to see so many people. I mean, I get it. That kind of started a blog, started a yeah. podcast, started a social channel and, and just, you know, for whatever reason, didn't wasn't able you know, to follow through. But with my background and connections and experience and understanding in it, I just thought, I think I could I think I could do this. Um, and a lot of my friends in the business were like, hey, this is great you're probably going to go broke, but this is a great idea. And it's, it's, you know, good for people. I'm sure there's people out there that need it. So, mm -hmm. um, that was kind of the, um, that was kind of the beginning of it for me. That's, uh, you know, it's sort of like, as I'm, as I'm kind of sitting here listening to, to your journey, like we all kind of go through this process when, when we get a diagnosis and not even so much like the emotional side, if you set that aside for a minute, but like, how do you adjust your life? Because a lot of times you have to make major life adjustments, right? Like the, the moving is really tough on anybody, but when you have an autistic kid, that change in routine, everything is like, that's a lot. And then new doctors or new, you know, whatever, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, and it's a, it's a layer of complexity that unless you're experiencing it, it's really hard to kind of get people to understand what that's like. Um, how, how has, so I think it's amazing what you're doing. How, how has that journey been for you? Was it, was it a, well, let me start, let me start with this. So I, I wanted to, to ask you when, like when your son was diagnosed, did you, like, how did you guys, did you have experience with autism prior to that, to where you were like, oh, something's maybe not right. We need to get him checked out. Or was it brought to your attention? Like everybody's journey with that is, is kind of different, if that makes sense. The only thing I knew about autism, I mean, I mean, you, I mean if you're not going to tell the truth, you know, why, why yeah. do you have the conversations? I, I watched Rain Man in like yep. 1992. I, yep. I mean, I don't know what else to say. That's, same here. Same, same, same uh, here. Yeah, that's, that was it. And I love the movie. I remembered the movie. Um, I, but man, that, that was it. I, I, I mean, so, <laughs> you know, knowing what I know now, you know, probably not the the, the best guide because it's a movie and, and <laughs> yeah. a variety yeah. of other things. You know, I, I, yeah, no, I don't know it. that I could take Cal down to a casino and walk out with thousands of dollars. I mean, I, I don't know, but um, no, you know, I think, you know, my wife had a really good instinct with, you know, Cal being the fifth and just some benchmarks were a little off. Um, mm -hmm. Not initially. I mean, there were, there were developmental months early on. He, he was, there was no, no red flags, no smoke. Um, it all, it all looked good. And, um, you know, I tell people this, 
I try to really find, you know, like real words to describe things. There's so much, I call it white coat content out there from yes. medical people. Yeah. And, and, and that's good and needed. Don't get me wrong. And, and there's a time and a place for that. But for me, and like the psychographic of autism and being somebody who's new into it, I just, the white coat stuff doesn't, just doesn't grab me. But, mm-hmm. you know, what I tell people is Cal was there and then he was gone. And uh, that's just, those are just honest words. And so, you know, and then from there, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the rush of questions in this and, and whatever. And like I said, I'm not here to change anybody's mind or, or what I say it is or is not. I don't want that to, you know, this is just my story. But, um, but my wife, you know, when that happened, she just, you know, she would say, you know, gosh, he's, he's doing this now. He didn't do that before. He's, he was actually starting to stand up and now he doesn't even come close to that anymore. So there was that, you know, and then the, the one thing we hear, you know, the first, of course, the first stop is the pediatrician. And Mm -hmm. the first thing is, oh, he's got four other older siblings. They're talking for him. They're walking for him. They're playing for him that, you know, so, so then, but me at that time I go, well, yeah, that's right. That sounds good. That sounds pretty good. Right. Like, it's like, yeah, that could be right. Let's run with that. I think that's a great idea. And, you know, so, I mean, if, if I'm, you know, if somebody says, Hey, go mow your grass, but then there's four other guys that are like, we'll mow the grass for you. I'm just not going to mow the grass. I mean, that's, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, that's a good analogy, by the way. I just made it up. So I don't know if that applies or not. Yeah. Good. I I hate mowing the grass. You know, I live on the Gulf coast of Florida where it's like, you know, every day is a hundred degrees. And so, but, um, yeah. And so there was that time, I think, you know, listen, without a doubt, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today, at least in the functionality of what we've done without, you know, my wife really saying, I got to take control of this situation. I, I was really, uh, not only was I not a great help, I was a, probably a little bit more of a barrier. You know, I was much more the, let's just, it's, it's good. You know, our, and our four other kids, I mean, amazingly healthy, great athletes. I mean, just zero, zero concern on my part. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's really interesting when you, when you refer to the white coat thing, like it's, there is a lot of very clinical information out there, you know, and, and when you go, when you get, and I've been talking about this a lot on, on both podcasts and you get a diagnosis and you get a list of, you know, a handful of phone numbers to call or, you know, whatever for therapies. And then that's, that's it. That's kind of where that part of it ends. And then you're kind of pushed out the door and, you know, good luck. And there's a huge emotional side of this for parents. And then there's, where do you even begin? How do you, how do you navigate? What do you do next? Like there is, there is a large gap between, you know, when you, when you hear and you go through that whole process and then getting to like where you are now, where you're a couple years into it and you kind of, it sounds like you have your footing and, you, and you've kind of got a, a thing going that is working at least in the moment, right? Cause it's always dynamic, right? And, and it changes all the time. Uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting to hear what that was, what that was like for you, because it's, it's, it's pretty consistent with how dads, uh, what I hear from dads. And, and I was the same way. And I wouldn't like, I wouldn't call it denial necessarily, but it's like, I just didn't see it the same way. If that, if that makes sense. And now it's like painfully obvious. I get it. Um, and you mentioned, and I just wanted to add uh, this, my, my oldest hit all of his milestones and developed typically until he was four. And then it was like he went to bed 
one person and woke up somebody completely different. And, and I don't know if it's the same experience for you, but it was like, for me, it was like, it was so drastic that it was almost like losing a child that was still there because you, you, you have to get to know them again and learn all the new things that they're dealing with. And, and it was just such a profound change that, uh, very tough to navigate and very rarely do I come across anybody who has experienced something similar to that. Yeah. You know, I, it is interesting to hear everybody's flashpoint with this. And, um, you know, I don't remember a moment. I've talked to people that had a moment. They remember the moment. It just, like you said, there was a moment you wake up, something's different. And I've, I've talked to other people that had moments. Um, I don't remember a moment I've tried, you know, it's interesting. I really, I really tried to go back and say, what was that moment? But the problem now is what, when I do that, I think I'm starting to create the moments and I'm like, Oh, I remember that one time. And I'm like, you know, I'm just telling myself a story. And so I get to a place where it, it, not that it's unhealthy, but I'm really just searching for something that I'm at the point where, Hey, I'll just create it. And that way I'll be good with it. You know? Mm -hmm. But the truth is, and, and I got to be honest with myself, is I don't remember the moment. You know, I don't, I don't remember it. It was, it was, I think gradual. My wife doesn't yeah. remember a moment. Yep. And that's okay. I mean, I think that's okay. It took me a while to get to a point where that was okay. You know, humans, we want to, we want to point the finger. That's it. That's mm -hmm. when it happened. That's what this was. You know, we we want to know everything. And so, um, I guess in this thing, you know, this this weird murky water world, where 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 some of us are going to get the moment some of us aren't and that's okay you know I, i've come to peace with that i think um yeah but it's interesting you bring that up you know i i i have thought about that and, I, and i'm sure since you you know you, you said you wrote your first post i think in 2010 i mean i'm sure yeah. you've gotten i'm sure you've read just i don't know hundreds of thousands of, of different experiences and, mm -hmm. and most of them probably very unique to themselves i mean i i i, I really it's interesting in talking to somebody who's done this a lot longer than I have. Um, I wish I could kind of suck all the information out of your mind. Cause I, you know, I, I really do, you know, you're, you're kind of, I'm, I'm looking at you as like a vault, a, a vault of information, you know, and it's like, I just want to tap in, you know, I, I, uh, you know, and it is, it is interesting too, because like, even when my, all three of my kids were diagnosed and when my oldest was diagnosed in 2005, you know, it was, it was my next, uh, was born in 2000, um, six. And I never picked up on anything with him because I thought autism was what Gavin was diagnosed with. And I thought it meant that you kind of disappeared because it was like he was taken away is what it felt like. And, uh, and, and then when my youngest was born in 2008, he was nonverbal, uh, didn't speak until he was about four years old, no communication, very aggressive, all kinds of challenges and health and stuff with him. And, you know, we went through some hearing screenings where they thought he was deaf. And then that led to ultimately to an autism diagnosis because he could hear. He just wasn't like he was tuning everybody out. And so then I thought, okay, that's what autism is too. It's you can't talk and you tune out the whole world because it's very different than what Gavin was experiencing. And so I kind of had those two extremes as kind of bookends to this uh, shelf of whatever. And, and so when Elliot was diagnosed, I had 
no, no idea. Like it, it, it was so, I was so, it wasn't until I took him to his preschool orientation and I saw him interacting with peers that it was like, oh my God, like, how did I miss that? How did I not see that? And, uh, and it's because the exposure that we had until then were other autistic kids. And, and so like, it's even having three kids, I missed it for every single one of them. I didn't see it because they were so different from each other. And, and we tend to think when, when somebody has a diagnosis, it's like you're diabetic or you, you know, whatever, like it's, it's a very cookie cutter kind of thing where it's the same name. So it must be very similar and it's, and it's not, and it's very deceiving and it's very hard to get people to wrap their heads around that. And it makes it incredibly difficult to go through this process. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time because it, it you know, you bring up something like diabetes or, or something related. It's, you know, you go to a doctor and you say, I'm having these symptoms. Could it be diabetes? We'll just say, and they'll say, hmm. well, it could be that, or they'll say it could be this, or it could be that. But the thing about autism is this and that, and yeah. that, and that. And, and so that's what I think the medical community, the white coat community is having such a hard time understanding is it's like, you know, I had a friend and he said, oh yeah, I have a son and they think he might be autistic. And, you know, I think you should, you know, I'd love it if you, if you talk to this guy, because you're, you know, all, you know, you're an expert on autism. I said, no, I'm an <laughs> expert on three years in on Cal's autism, <laughs> which let's just be honest in two or three years, 30 or 40% of what I believe or what I know now, well, it's probably going to move. It's probably yeah. going to change and, and evolve mm -hmm. as it should, as he does. Mm -hmm. So it's not this or that it's this and that, and that, and that, and that. And when you say that in your mind, like for me, it's like the, the, the wheels start turning and it gets a little frustrating and overwhelming because again, as humans, we just want to know, no, I want the thing. Tell me what the thing is. Yeah. And I need to know all about the thing. And yeah. And, we're just, you know, I, I, I mean, there'll be no better story than you. I mean, you should have been the expert. Yeah. Yeah. You on paper, yeah. if we grew up everything you've been through all the meetings and doctors and therapists and, and you know, whatever you, how did you get fooled? Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's totally. And, and like, I, I, I felt so guilty that I missed these things because I thought like, Oh my God, like they could have gotten help sooner. But the reality is, I mean, nobody else picked up on it either. So it wasn't like, it, it wasn't like, um, I, I wasn't a good parent and, and so many parents feel that way though. And, and it's, and it's just that like, it's so different. You know, if your reference is rain man, especially back then, right. Which is what my only reference was. I would never have thought that that's, you know, what it was. I'm not going to drop like, toothpicks on the floor and Gavin's going to just tell me 653. I mean, like there's, there's no, there, there isn't anything like that. It was behaviors. It was emotional challenges. It was, uh, health issues, right? All things that they never talked about. And, and uh, even when I, even when you learn enough to recognize it in your own kids, it doesn't mean you're going to recognize it in someone else's kids or, or that if you have other kids, you might not recognize it in them because it, it's so, it's, it's so fluid and so dynamic and it changes from person to person. And, and then, you know, you mentioned like the, this, and this, and even with a diagnosis, they're still kids. 
right? And they still have all those same things that, that neurotypical kids do. They'll make dumb decisions. They'll do annoying things. They'll make you upset just like any other kid will. Right. And it's so easy to, to, to kind of just slur everything together and feel like everything is related to autism. And a lot of it is, but a lot of it isn't. And, and that, that's kind of where I'm at in my journey, 23 years into this. It's like, I'm now recognizing there's a lot of like normal kid, like quote, like air quote, normal kid, uh, cause some, some, some will get upset if I say that. So like air quote, normal, like things that my kids do that I would have just assumed was autism related because I have no other reference. I don't know what it's like raising neurotypical kids. I can raise autism, uh, autistic kids, but I don't, I don't have that frame of reference. And so it's like, it's just a, it's a really, it's a really, oh, it's a tough journey. I mean, it just is. <laughs> it is. It's, um, it, it's, it's weird how emotions can affect you, uh, physically. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think a lot of people, well, a lot of people don't get it, nor they should they really, if you're not going through it, how do I expect somebody to understand what I'm going through? I, I, I don't, I don't have that, you know, and, and I, you know, when people say the world needs to understand the world needs that the world's not going to understand if you're not going through it, it's near impossible. I think I, I know yeah. I, could, I couldn't have understood. I mean, it's, it is such an emotional, I, I mean, I have these moments where, um, they used to happen a lot more, but they still happen. It's like two 30 in the morning and my eyes roll open and there's the ceiling fan. And I just sort of get lost in the ceiling fan. And it's, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just, it's like these reflections of, you know, this other life that now has seemed to be for me more like a movie. And again, not good, not bad. I mean, there are people mm -hmm. want to jump on the, you know, stop talking like your other life was so great. Now it sucks. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there are challenges that now exist that I am not necessarily ready for every day. I'm doing my best, mm -hmm. you know, and some of those are emotional. Some of those are, are physical. You know, one of the things I noticed specifically with dads, um, but also with moms, families really in general, are that the physical health of special needs parents goes downhill real fast. Yep. Um, and, and, and there's this sense where a lot of these parents become shut-ins. Um, you know, there's a level of, of embarrassment. I, I went through that. I mean, and, and right or wrong, I was... But again, I had four other kids that were healthy and 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 athletes and were always at the big games or or winning or you know whatever. And then I've got this other being that I have to start figuring out because it's going to be you know my four non special needs kids they need a non special needs dad. Yep. Cal needs a special needs dad, and so I'm trying to figure out when do I play that part, how much do I play the part, and and, and those things. And but the parenting. I'm a big, I'm big on like, listen, you got to find a way to work out every day. You got to find a way to eat healthy. You got to find a way to, to, to you. There are moments where it has to be you first. Yep. I call it the airplane oxygen mass theory. Mm -hmm. I remember when I, when I had my oldest and the first flight we took and they're like, Hey, if we lose cabin pressure and the windows blow out and we might crash, the masks are going to fall. Parents put it on yourself first and then get to your kids. I'm like, well, damn, that's pretty cruel. But yeah, then, right. But then I thought to myself, if we don't save ourselves, who's going to save the kids? Yeah. And I, little did I know that little thing I came up with in my head on that flight to Fort Myers, Florida, I would use that, you know, 15 years later or whatever and go, well, now I get it. If we don't save ourselves, who will save the kids? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. And, and I harp on, I harp on self-care because I had to learn the hard way. And, you know, even, uh, 
there's this misguided notion that parents have in general that our kids come first all the time, no matter what. We just give and give and give and give and give. And maybe if you have a neurotypical kid, there's potential that you might be able to sustain that long enough for them to age out of your household and, and whatever. But when you have an autistic kid or a kid with a disability, you have to pace yourself. You have to be the priority because if you're not, then you can't sustain this long term and you will physically and emotionally bankrupt yourself. So you, you have to, my therapist used to tell me, you have to be selfish before you can be selfless. You have to have something to give before you can give it. And the only way that you'll have that is if you put it back into yourself and you make yourself a priority. So I go to the gym every day and I, I build my life around that time because it helps me manage my ADHD and it helps me not have a stroke after all the stress that you that you have to deal with. And and it's not like I mean, it's not even like you're kidding, because I know people in the like, yeah, in, oh, in, no. And in my old world, it's like, oh, man, things at work. I mean, it's I, I'm about to have a, a stroke. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're just worried about dumb things. You're not going to have a stroke. You're letting this guy <laughs> ruin your life so you can get a paycheck every, you know, a couple times a month. But us special needs parents, when somebody says, my God, I feel like I might have a stroke. It's like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's uh, I had my kids therapist before. Um, we've had the same therapist for 15 or 20 years. Well, 15 years. And she used to tell me and I have we had psychologists who were like Harvard doctors, like specialized in things like top in the country that just happened to be local. And and he would tell me he's like he's like, Rob, the there is no scale that I'm aware of to measure the amount of stress that you are under every day. And he's like, you have to you have to channel that or it's going to kill you. And the scary thing is, and I don't know if you have, if you have reached this point in your journey or not, but if, if not learn from me, <laughs> we can become so accustomed to that stress that we don't realize that it's there. And that scares me because it slowly eats you away on the inside, emotionally and physically, and you don't know it until you hit that wall. And it's it's silent and, and we become like, we have to adjust to our situation in order to survive it. Right. So it doesn't feel like we're stressed out. Maybe it's like a self-preservation thing. It's kind of like what they say, like boiling a frog, right? Like not that that's a great analogy, but like you slowly bring it to boil and has no idea what's happening because it adjusts over time until it's too late. That's sort of what it feels like with stress. It, it, it just builds up and builds up and builds up because we're so used to it. We don't recognize it until, you know, someone has a heart attack or someone has a stroke or they have an emotional breakdown or mental health issues or other health issues develop, you know, and we have to recognize that before we put ourselves over the edge. Yeah. You got to put some real benchmarks in your life. You know, my wife and I, we, we do a date night every week and we haven't missed one. And good for you. Yeah. I, I think I looked it up maybe six months ago or something, but it's like over 75%, maybe 85% special needs parents get divorced. Um, the bankruptcy rates through the roof. Um, everything bad <laughs> that could happen in a family structure is elevated in a special needs family. I, I mean, I, it's just the way it goes. And so how do you, gosh, you got to have that, you got to have that date night, you know? And then, so that covers kind of one angle of it. And really when we do that, like we really don't talk about 
what's going on in the house and the walls mm-hmm. of the house. We just don't. Um, and that works out well. I really, I think that's the number one thing I see when I talk to special needs parents um, that I just that I just meet. It's like that shut-in mentality. Man, we're just sitting at the table. We're freaking out. I lost my job or I took a pay cut and my kids. I mean, it's it's just, it's getting, I'm like, all right, all right, I, I get it. But and you got you to gotta start this thing at the core again, all right? So get out, have a date night. If you're single, go meet some buddies at the bar. Get, you got to find that time to release the pressure. You got to find that time. And, and then there's, you know, like gym time, which I think is important. I, I work out every single day. I don't miss a workout. I don't. And it's honestly not, I mean, I'm 46. I'm married. I mean, I'm not doing this to get girls, right? (laughs) I'm doing this because the the physical benefits I get honestly go right to the six inches between my ears. Yep. I feel totally different. It's an outlet. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable um, what that does for the for the six inches between your ears. And I find when I do that, I make better decisions. I'm more patient. I eat better because I know I've done the work, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so that really, I think, has a has a big lasting. I, I did a video yesterday on TikTok and I was talking about I had bought this weighted vest because, as you know, you know, autism parents, special needs parents. I mean, time is our most precious commodity. And when you get hit with this, the time just shrinks. I mean, it's just there's just but everyone has time to take a walk. And the problem with the walk is after a while, it doesn't do as much. I mean, it's good. It's better than nothing. But how can you make the walk better or a light jog better? And so I started researching. Uh, it's called rucking. And the military uses it. They're called ruck bags. They're big, heavy bags. Yeah. So you can get on Amazon and buy a weighted vest like I did and just add something to your walk or your jog. And it just adds more pressure. It adds more challenge, which is good. Uh-huh. Your body needs that. It, it needs to be challenged. pressured and challenged. Yeah. Use it or lose it is what they, you know, at our it, age anyways. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. So. There's all kind of these little things you can search for um, to, to, to sort of just find that that moment to release the pressure. Mm-hmm. So even little things like taking a walk, that's great. But go get a weighted vest and do it, you know, so it, it sweat a little more, get those toxins out. You know, you really in this lifestyle have to kind of find these different little avenues to go through to, to get to where you want to go. Yeah, you have to be creative. And, and you have to get over it. Like I tell parents, sometimes I just get a little frustrated with people because they'll like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. Or I don't, I don't have help. And like, I totally get that. I'm a single parent. Their mom is not involved, hasn't been involved for a long time, probably never will be. And I have three of them that I'm trying to manage and a business and a house and all of this stuff. And I'm one person, right? So like, I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm lucky to have supportive family nearby and, and they're amazing, but the, the daily stuff falls on me. And I got caught up in that. I don't have time. I can't do it. I have to focus on the kids. And I hit, and I and I kind of lost sight of myself again. And I, I hit a burnout back in November of last year. It lasted about four or five months, darkest time in my in, in my whole life. And uh, I honestly didn't think I was going to survive it because I just I had it, it. I was down so far. I never told anybody. You know, I masked it until I couldn't anymore. And then it was like. Like I'm done. Like I either need to tell somebody what's going on or I'm not going to be around for my kids. Yeah. And you, you have to, you have to prioritize yourself. It doesn't matter what you do. Start off small, do something that doesn't seem like a big deal. I used to lock myself in my bathroom and go through my email or listen to music or something that just puts back into me for just a couple of minutes and releases that tension 
And then you can find more things and you can build from that. You know, like you said, anything is better than nothing. And, and then build from it. And the more that you put into yourself, the more benefits I think we start to see. And the more we realize that the better we are, the better we can give. And, and if we want our kids to have the best version of ourselves, we have to, we have to nurture that, right? And, and it doesn't just exist. We, we, have to, we have to put into that every day. And, um, you know, some, some parents will have to be their child's caregiver for the rest of their natural lives. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is, is if you take the time to, to care for yourself and make yourself a priority. I mean, it just, it just has to be that way. There, there's no other, the alternative is, is, is not an option. This episode is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a biofeedback-based video game platform that teaches kids to emotionally self-regulate. This leads to a significant reduction in meltdowns and parental stress. It's backed by science out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's and has helped over 100,000 kids. For more information, visit theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R and use the code theautismdad22 to save 10%. No, and it's scary. I mean, you know, I tell people, unfortunately, I can't die. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It's not an option anymore. So, uh, you know, I can't die, and so I've got to do everything I can do so that I that that I that I don't die. You know, um, I, I actually, you know, special needs parents. It's interesting. I, you know, if I was if I was running a large Fortune five hundred company and I needed to hire thousands of people, I believe the first net I would cast would be to special needs parents. I'm telling you, our strategic skills, you know, and maybe not at first, but, you know, it's definitely where you are, right? I mean, yeah. it, is, it is like, I know exactly where I'm going, how I'm going to get there, if something should go awry, how I'm going to, you know, escape plans and, and this and that. I mean, if you look at it like that, there are so many tactical advantages, things you just learn and they kind of just seep in that, I mean, I, you know, this is the other thing I tell people too because I hear this, it's like, oh, you know, I was going to start a business and I was going to do this and do that. But then my, my kid was diagnosed with autism. And I said, even more reason, don't say your kid was diagnosed with autism. Now you can't start that business you wanted to, or, or move to that place you wanted to go. You're looking at this all wrong. Now you have more reason and you're going to get these really interesting skills, these yeah. really interesting skills that are going to develop because they have no choice to develop. It's like when the solar guys come to my house, right? Mm -hmm. And they're used to peddling their, they got their stories, right? And everything. And I'm thinking to myself, they start up with their, with their thing. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's got no idea. My kid has autism. Like I've already figured this guy out. Like, you know, this is nothing for me. And so you, you just are able to kind of, kind of understand and go through processes very quickly and understand escape routes and where they should be going and, and getting back through the tunnel and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, we oftentimes have to think, we have to think 10 steps ahead. And, and that, that is, I mean, truthfully, it's exhausting. I mean, it, it can be exhausting, especially after so many years of doing that. And I'm at the point now where I'm having to learn to let go because, which is tough because like with my oldest, he's 23. He just, um, got his first job recently. He's, he's looking at moving out. 
and and you know working through the board of DD and all that all that kind of stuff. And and they only want to talk to him now. They they don't care what I have to say. They it's it's person first thing like or person centered whatever. And and I have to I have to let go so that he can uh, grow. You know, and that's a, that's a scary, that's, it's, I mean, that's really scary. I had a really hard time navigating that this year, but he's doing great. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I still relate to what you're saying. Yeah. The victories are different and, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, even in, in, in my own life and I, I don't know, I even feel bad talking to you and saying that my life is stressful because it, that's the other interesting thing about this is you always will run into somebody and I'm sure you've run into people and oh. go, wow, oh, man, how do you do that? And yeah. then I'm sitting here going, Rob, how do you do this, man? Like I single dad, three kids. I mean, it's, it, it's a mind blowing, uh, just life globe sphere, you know, whatever you want to call it. But the victories are different, you know, because my other four kids, it's like my kid makes the high school wrestling team. My girls win the flag football championship. My son makes the, 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 the baseball tournament travel team. Cal, my youngest is not never going to have these experiences so we have these other victories and the tough thing about those victories, it's hard to put them on Facebook. It's hard to post them on LinkedIn because a lot of people don't understand, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard. It's, it's hard when somebody says to you, somebody who's almost six years old, can I have a piece of pizza? And you're like, oh my God, thank you for using your words. I mean, Heck yeah. You can have a piece of pizza. <laughs> yeah, go? absolutely. What you else know? do you want? Just tell me. Right. Because yeah. that's, that's a lot better than, you know, bashing your head in the counter and screaming and it's like, and grabbing, going, just tell me what's, I'll help. Just tell me, tell me, please tell me. So when you have those moments, it, they're bigger, honestly, than winning the flag football championship. And I, and I feel somewhat guilty saying it because I love watching that, but this is like, I don't know. It's, it's, these are the kind of victories you never read about growing up. They're life altering. Yeah. And we didn't have superheroes that would talk about those victories. You know, our, yeah. our heroes were, you know, Batman and the Super Bowl champions, everything like this. But you'll learn how to celebrate these victories um, as you go through it. Yeah, that, uh, that's so relatable. So with with daily autism, um, what was what was its purpose? Like, why did you why did you start that? And how does that how does that like help you, I guess? Yeah. Uh, I think in the beginning, I don't know if it was, I don't think it had a, a clean purpose to be honest with you. It wasn't like a, you know, it, there was no like business plan. It was a Facebook page that my wife was, um, really like 80% of, um, and just kind of showcasing, Hey, you know, to other young moms out there, um, this is kind of what it looks like. And I didn't know. And, you know, and then sometimes it was her like, you know, cooking something, but while mm -hmm. she's cooking something, you know, Cal might be having a meltdown. And so it's like, hey, I'm cooking this thing. It doesn't look delicious. But then this is going on. And so you got to, you know, and then that's how it started. And then, you know, I think I think just because of my background, I'm an audience guy. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want to tell the audience how to feel, where to go, what to do. I'll look at the audience and I'll see where they're directing us. And I think that's how really great creators um, get started. And really what I noticed was people would message and go, Hey, my son just got diagnosed. And, you know, I just lost my job or my son just got diagnosed. And my parents, um, say it's because I gave him an iPad too early. And, and so we just started getting all of these messages. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, 
this is my real life. I could go get like a nine to five job, but what am I going to do? I'm going to fake like I care about this job. In reality, I'm going to be sitting in a cubicle or whatever, really worried about what's going on with my son. And so I thought, well, let me just take my media experience and build media around it. And, and I don't know, we'll see. Honestly, the, the plan was, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was not going to get funded, right? There was no, um, there was, there was no angel investors that were like, great idea. We'll see what happens. Love it. Never heard that before. So, yeah. um, no, it, it really was just, here is this, this, I don't even know what to call it. You know, it, it, it was just kind of those things that I just wanted people to see like this, this can happen to anybody. You could have had a, a great career. You could live in a great house, you, you know, and, and this can happen. And so here's kind of how it's going. It, it was sort of a, here's how it's going type platform. Yeah. It, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because like I, I have chosen to share the good and the bad because I, I want people to be validated. I want people who are struggling to feel like, Hey, you know what? I'm not the only one. I feel okay. And I want people to know that just because you struggle doesn't mean there aren't amazing days, you know, and, and kind of have that, that full spectrum, you know, pardon the pun, I guess, view of, of, of what it's like, because it isn't just a, a one dimensional thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Kind of the, um, one of the first, uh, taglines of our podcast was fun, sad, and real. And I remember people would call me and say, take sad out. That's horrible. Nobody. Yeah. And I'm like, but I'm not doing this to win an Oscar yeah. or an Emmy or, or to win anything, by the way. Um, this is, this is fun, sad, and real. I mean, and that's, that's about 50 times a day. You got the fun parts, you got the sad, but whatever it is, it's always kind of real. So, um, you know, like I said, taking Cal to the fields with his siblings while they're playing sports and watching him pick up a ball and throw it to him. That man, that's fun. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Getting in the car a few minutes later and going home. And that's not what he had on the agenda and things happen. That's sad. And so that can happen within minutes of each other. So the, the life is for us fun, sad, and real. Um, the more personal we got, the more real or raw or whatever the word is, was when people would really reach out and go, I can't believe that you showed that video because the same thing happens to us. And I'm like, really? The same thing is happening? It's, it's just unbelievable to me that this is yeah. also happening in other homes and other parents feel this way. Yeah. And it's, you know, like it is, it's such an isolating experience. And you, I, I think it's easy to think that there's not a lot of people out there because it, it is a relatively, we, we live in bubbles, Right. And, uh, I'm friends with Kate Swenson from finding Cooper's voice. And she was on a podcast last year, I think, and we were talking about it and she's like, there could be somebody, you know, five houses down or on the other side of the street, other side of the block that has, you know, a nonverbal autistic kid. And I have no idea. And we drive by them every day, you know, and, you know, knowing that would be amazing because then we could connect and we could have play dates and all, all this stuff. But we all live in these bubbles where, where we're like, we carry our world inside the bubble and we don't always see how many people are around us who, who are experiencing similar things, you know? And a lot of times it's just self-preservation because, you know, we, we have to limit what we take in because there's only so much of us to go around, but it, but it is, there is a massive community of people out there and it's growing constantly. It's growing in, in all different stages of the journey. I, I hear from parents who are in their seventies and eighties. And they have 
you know, 50 year old autistic kids and 60 year old autistic kids who are on the far end of this, uh, this journey. And it's like, wow, like nobody, nobody's talking about that stuff. You know, it, it doesn't just go away when you're 18. I mean, there, there's a lifelong journey. Yeah. And it becomes a journey. It's going to become a journey for all aspects of, of society. Um, maybe not enough, you know, back in the day, but without question now, just, just the raw numbers. There's it. I mean, you have people, you know, kids now that are five, six, seven years old that in 10 years are going to be spilling out into the community and into businesses looking for jobs, or mm -hmm. they may, they may have interactions with law enforcement. There's going to have to be public policy and legislators to figure out what's going on. I, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, you know, pre prevalence numbers and, and, and where it's been and where it's going and snap, this is going to become a massive community issue in, in, in 10 years. It's just, it, there's no way it can't. And I think to myself a lot, what is, what is the world going to look like in 10 years? I mean, you have public schools now that, that aren't set up for this. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I don't know that there 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 was a perfect blueprint that was overlooked. I mean, I, I don't know that I believe that either. But I'm just saying that there are families and families and families across the country. Forget the world. Just talk about the country that mm -hmm. are like I, I my kid goes to public school, and I mean it's it's like I'm just dropping them off in a room. I mean, there's no nothing's going on there. Um, yep. But all of those stories, that's kind of what concerns me. Like I have, I have reasons for hope, but I also, I think, you know, I logically have to have reasons for concern. And that's kind of my concern thing is, is from a societal vantage point, what does this look like in 10 years? Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, it's a very resource intensive thing, right? And, and, and we are already lacking those resources we lack them heavily for the adult community. Like once they age out of high school and they age out of that, you know, those, those built-in supports that are for, you know, kids, which is still hard to find for a lot of families or they're on waiting lists for two years for things. Um, there, there is a cliff, you know, and, and until we, we address that and we put funding in place and we put people in charge and they build, you know, an infrastructure to help support these people, it's going to be a massive cliff. And, uh, you know, there is, there's so many benefits to hiring autistic people. It, it's, uh, I mean, I've sat down with Temple Grandin and we, we had a conversation about that and, and it's, but they're, they're an untapped resource, you know, you know, some accommodations here, some accommodations there, and they can become the highest performing person in the, in the, in the company. Right. And they love their job and they have, you know, good work ethic and they show up every day on time because they're very rigid and structured and like all these things that benefit, uh, corporations, but there's just no, there's no bridges to help them get there. there there's no, there isn't enough awareness. There isn't enough preparation. There aren't enough resources to help kids, uh, navigate that journey to get to that point, you know, and, and those are the things that, that we have to, we have to start worrying about. We should have been worrying about forever, but, but you know, I mean, there are so many kids being diagnosed now that there is going to be, it's just going to be a very difficult time as they age out of, of, of the resources that are currently available. And we have to do better. We have to do better. 
Yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you want to get fired up about it, you know, go, just go look at what your local um, municipality spends money on. Um, and you'll see a bunch of programs and stuff and you go, you've got to be kidding me. And, um, but like you said, I, I think eventually, um, I mean, we're going to run out of road and it's just going to be impossible to avoid the situation. And I really like what you said about, um, employment and employing, um, young autistic adults. And I agree with you. I, I think, I think you, you're going to see a time and I'm hopeful that there'll be opportunities and, and organizations for people to go, you know what, what we're able to do here, there'll be no one to fit this better than a young autistic, uh, man or woman, mm-hmm. you know, and the other flip side to that too, cause I talk a lot about community. You're just not creating an opportunity for somebody who has autism and is a young adult and ready to, to join a workforce Think about what you're doing for their parents, their siblings, their grandparents, aunts mm-hmm. and uncles, who for 15, 16, 17, 18 years was just going, my God, will they ever get an opportunity? Will there ever be something? You know, that's, you know, that's the stuff for me that hits home. I mean, you're not just creating an opportunity for somebody with autism to work, which is great within itself. But what you're doing for their family, that feeling of, oh, my gosh, they're going to they, be okay. They're going to be okay. They have a they have a productive job every day, something that they can go and contribute to, because that's something that you know you you heard a lot about in the past. Not so much anymore. Was how do people with autism be productive in society? It was it was not long ago. You know, if you if you read some some uh, scholarly you know reports and stuff, it was well, what you do is you sort of build this building in the middle of nowhere and you put them there, yep. and that's how that's how they're you know and. That's a scary, that's, a, that's almost a third world type of, um, you know, scenario. Yeah. Everybody needs purpose, you know? And, and I think like that was one of my oldest biggest struggles is, is between the health issues and everything else and COVID, whatever, like he, uh, he's immunocompromised. He's, he had a lot of serious health issues. So we had to be very careful, put a delay on a lot of things for him. And he just, he just needed purpose. He wanted to have a direction to go in in his life and he should have that. He deserves to have that. And, you know, it took some time, but we found it and he's doing really good. He loves his job and he's building his own independent life. You know, I mean, that's something that if you had told me 10 years ago was going to happen, I wouldn't have believed you because there were so many challenges. There were so many things that I was trying to, to, to deal with and work with him on. I thought there's never, no way is it going to happen. There's just no, I, my brain could not perceive that being a possibility. And yet here we are. And, and yeah, that's the other message they try to instill in people is like, there's always hope, you know, and, and things do get better. We have to be open to what better means. Better doesn't mean no challenge. Better doesn't mean no meltdowns. Better doesn't mean everything is all of a sudden easy. It just means better. It means that maybe they learn a new skill that makes life a little more manageable. Maybe you have new parenting tools in your toolbox that help you to better navigate certain situations, or there's more resources that become available or, you know, any number of things that can improve your overall life and their overall life. That's better. You know, and, and I just think like you talked about, um, like, like benchmarks or, or, or whatever, like we just need to have, we need to be able to visualize progress sometimes in order for us to recognize it when it's, slower sometimes I think. And, and, uh, and that helps us to stay focused on, on, you know, continuing to move forward. So I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I think that, uh, 
for only being three years into this, it, it's kind of a remarkable outlook and insights that you, that you have, because it's very accurate, I think. And, uh, I am, I'm constantly saying so many of the same things that you're saying <laughs> and, and I've been at it for a very long time. And so like, you've got, you've got a handle on things. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I don't know. It doesn't always feel that way. And as oh, you know, you, does. yeah, you have those, yeah. you have those moments. I mean, I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I think I've, you know, I've cried more in three years than in the 45 I've been on earth. But I also think that that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's, you know, when you talk to people that, that go through this, especially in the beginning, you're kind of having this metamorphosis. And I would just, you know, tell people, let that wash over you. It's fine. You just got to let it wash over you. Fighting back on that, I found to be mainly unproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to accept that I had new fears, um, that I was also, I have lost control on some things that I've always been able to have control on. Um, and you sort of got to let it wash over you. Does that make it all better and you figured it out? Nope. Nope. But it also, it allows you to feel in all the other moments that are coming of like, okay, this is, this is about to get really tough, really quick. We've been here before. Let's attack it and we'll do it again. And, um, and you sort of build up that stamina a little bit. And again, it's more, more emotional stamina, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, although I will say, I mean, even, you know, even, you know, he, Cal's not potty trained. He has no interest. And, and will he ever? I don't know. I don't have any expectation. But, you know, he's he's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. So I'm trying to change a pull-up on a, on a near six-year-old. You know, if he wants to kick or punch or whatever, and I'm hunched over, I, I mean, sometimes this is like an eight, nine, ten-minute process, right? Yeah. I, you know, I'm 46. I get up. My back is killing me. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm walking kind of hunched over. And my other kids yeah. are like what's wrong? And I'm like, what's wrong? Did you just see what happened? I'm it's like an I'm MMA half, match trying to get, it. <laughs> I'm halfway to 92 and I just <laughs> was doing that. And so that's, what's wrong. And so those are the things that like, it's okay to have those experiences yeah. because there is a group of people like you and me and thousands of other people that can understand that. It's just that like your buddies or your coworkers, they're not going to understand that. And that's okay. Like, yeah, that's okay. And you just kind of, kind of let that wash over you a little bit. Um, and I think that was, that was the toughest part for me. I'm a real social guy. So I always like to be out. I always like to be with people talking and being upbeat and, and everything. And so that was a tough, that was kind of uh, the first year, year and a half or so it was tough for me to sort of go, geez, all of my latest stories are weird. And I don't know that my buddies are going to really understand it. Again, why should they? Uh, I don't yeah. hold that against them. Why should they? I mean, I, I you know, there's no, it, it doesn't mean that they're not accepting or anything like that. It just, it's just hard for them. It's just hard. Yep. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. And it's hard. It's, I, I will just say that I, I know that it's harder in practice than it is to say that, but it's so important. You know, you're doing an amazing job. It doesn't always feel like it, but it doesn't feel like it a lot of times because you're such a good parent. You want the absolute best for your kids and you're always striving to do better. And, and I think that's really a telltale sign of someone who's doing a really good job, you know, and, uh, you're not alone. That's, you know, there's a lot of us out there. So, um, what, what is the best way for people to connect to, to check you guys out and, and see what you're doing? Yeah. So if you go to, if you go to dailyautism.com, um, that has the links to, to everything. 
I remember back in the day, I was like, well, you can go to our Facebook page and email us. And now there's like 16 different platforms to get a hold of people on. Yep. Um, so, you know, we're most active on Facebook and TikTok. Um, but dailyautism.com, I do a lot of LinkedIn too. Um, but all the links are there. That's our link tree. And, and, and that's the easiest way. But we're very, um, very proactive with getting back to people and, and conversating. And, very cool. It's rewarding, isn't it? Like, yeah, it really is. It, me doing what I do, I think, is largely why I have survived this whole thing as well as I, as I have, because it's been an outlet for me, it's therapeutic for me. And, uh, I've just kind of referred to it as like purpose for the pain, right? Like there's a greater good that comes out of the challenge. And if something positive comes out of this and you can avoid something that I had to find out the hard way, because you learned something from what I went through, totally worth it to me. And it makes a big difference. And, and it's like this emotional, uh, boost that, that helps me to keep going. And, and so I, I, I totally, totally understand what you're saying. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time. This is an amazing conversation and, uh, I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it too. And, um, you know, really have a tremendous amount of respect for, for what you do. You were one of the, uh, the, the founding fathers, if you will, of, uh, of, you know, the, the, these types of platforms. And, and I think it's great. And, and the one thing I'll say too, well, first off, just so you know, I've been paying attention to you, um, you know, the, the, the workout videos, um, in your car and stuff, I, I think, you are doing more for people than maybe what, what you realize. I, I do believe physical health for special needs parents is something that's very dangerous. And, and it's you go through this when you're healthy and it's so hard, but then if you develop some, some medical issues or, or, or challenges, my goodness, I mean, it's, it gets dangerous. It gets dangerous. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and so I just speak up on you. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so I just want to tell you, I think that was a, that was a great thing that, that you do. I think it's great for you, for your health, um, as you've said, but you mm -hmm. know, I think there are people out there that eventually they're going to see, you know, your, your 25th video of I'm about to go to the gym work and they're going to go, you know what, what are my excuses? I need to go do the same thing. And That's it doesn't take long to feel different. Once you start to, it no, does yeah. not take long. And then it becomes self-sustaining. Like you, 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 you recognize the benefits and you seek them out, you know? So I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm a big fan. I appreciate that. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I, I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.